Uh, morning, everyone. I just wanted to quickly share a journey I've been on in the last six months. Uh, for those that don't know me, um, my name's Macca and I'm a quadriplegic, have been for about 25 years. I was down at Cooper Pedy and I got a flesh-eating bug uh, that attacked my body internally, necrotizing fasciitis. And I knew nothing about it and I was got home to Darwin here and got an ambulance emergency straight into Darwin Hospital where over the next 11 days I had seven operations to save my life. Um, whilst I was in there, the bug ate down the back of my leg and ate all my hamstring and muscle away in the left leg and the surgeons decided that they were going to remove my left leg in between my knee and my thigh. It was uh, a terrible day for me with knowing the next day's surgery was going to be for my leg removal. Um, my wife, Jess, over there, she she said, why don't we get uh, Pastor Neil in um, to pray for your leg? And um, thankfully Neil came in, took his time. You know, it was late at night and he came in and uh, in his own time and sat with me and prayed for my leg. When I went up for surgery the next morning, they said the leg didn't need to be removed. So I just... <laughs> I just wanted to let you all know that, you know, we've got a real legend here in Neil. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, i got a miracle. Thanks very much. Hallelujah. Welcome everyone this morning. Um, if you don't know who I am, you're visiting or something, my name's Neil and I'm one of the pastors here. Lovely to have you here this morning. As Macca was talking then, um, he remembers the story totally different to me. I was very responsive. I was uh, there on time. and <laughs> No. I'm pretty sure it was the morning. God just ordained something. I drove into to Casuarina and to the hospital, went up to the top story of the car park because there's no car parks and Jess was just coming out and um, stopped and just came over. I just had the chance, just gave a big hug and said, you know, God's, God's with you and um, then went to see Macca and um, you know what, it's God's power that works and Macca and me believe together, that's the truth. We believe together in the power of Jesus Christ. All right, Penny. Hi, um, I'm going to be reading from Luke 15 and it's um, the part of um, the scripture where Jesus has been teaching um, his disciples and the people that were gathered around him um, about the lost. So just before it comes a parable of the lost sheep and then comes a parable of the lost coin. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. About this time, the money ran, about the time the money ran out, 
a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here am I dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill a calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine who was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father's killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Microphone goes in the pot. <laughs> That's a good story that Jesus told, isn't it? Um, if you've been at church for any amount of time, you would have definitely heard that. Um, we call it the parable of the prodigal son often, um, or the lost son, or the good father, something like that. There's lots of different names we give it. And um, why I'm thinking about this, we'll, we'll talk about shortly, I guess. If you just show me that picture there, Ali. Isn't this just a boring picture? <laughs> Have you ever driven down the Stuart Highway to Adelaide, anyone? Yeah. Can it be boring? Yeah. There's some bits, <laughs> some people just love it. And I must admit, it is amazing, but there's one particular part in South Australia, which is like, um, I think it's Gib Gibber Rock Plains, 
where it's just nothing and it's like you can't even see a tree for miles and miles and amazing bit of road in the fact that um, it's just empty there's nothing there but when you look down that's exactly what you see you just see this road going into nowhere it seems like into nowhere but yet there's a destination at the end now why I put this picture up here is as I um, I've been thinking about something called rock bottom over the last probably two months I'd reckon just about our lives and, and our lives with God and and how sometimes we hit rock bottom in our life and it's sometimes hard to see the way back how do I get back to God how do I get back to faith how do I get back and this is what the picture is sort of like for us it's like we've gone so far away that when we look back it's almost like where is God I can't even see him it's a, a really, really, really long road, yet somehow in our heart we have this longing for what we used to have with him and we need to get back to it. Um, th- this parable that, that when we read through it, there's, there's so many different pictures and stories that we can grab out of it. I mean, firstly of all, the son being so horrible and just saying, give me my inheritance now, I just want to go, leaving, but then going to that distant land and and talking about how he spent all his money on wild parties and prostitutes and whatever else it might have been, but he ran out of money. There was a time when he ran out of money. And he came so desperate that, that he was feeding pigs for someone, which was against what a Jewish person would do ever. It talks about in the Bible, curses a man who feeds pigs. That this was so low, this place of, of being, yet even in that low place there was nothing to eat. In fact, the pigs had better food than what he had. He was starving. He'd run out. The, the whole thing was that he thought this life that he wanted that would be free actually ended up being a place of entrapment where he had nothing left. And I've been thinking about it because I've been pondering about us as Christians. Why is it that we, or well, anyone really, why is it that we sometimes wait to that rock bottom place before we start to seek God again? Think about it in your own life. I mean, there, there's obviously times when all of us have been through hard times, right? Where we've, where we've hit a rocky road, so to speak. And many times it's because we've decided that we're going to distance ourselves from God. We, we've decided that now I'm going to take things into my own hand. I don't need your Father anymore. You just give me everything that I'm entitled to and I'll go out and I'll forge my way. I'll make my way in this world by myself. In other words, our heart turns against God, the one who created us, who made us, the living God who gave us everything that we need. When we're in his house, we have everything we need, yet we decide that we know better. We walk away, we start to do things our own way. And obviously, because I've been a Christian for many, many years, um, well, I'm 50 now, and, and I'd say I've always loved God, but there was a point where I gave my life to him. You see, time and time again, this story repeats itself. Yet you can't even, it's not a parable, this is real life. People turning their back on God, walking away from him, whether they're already a Christian or maybe they've ever, never even known a father, they, they're walking around in this world that promises everything but delivers nothing. But there has to be a way back, doesn't there? I don't know 
what's going on in people's lives out here today. I don't know where you are with God, but I do know this, that there would definitely be some people that are living right on the edge of collapse, where they've, they've gone out, they've tried to do things their own way, they're not living the way that God said to live, and they've come to this point where they just run out. Nothing's happy about faith in Christ because my faith isn't actually real. I'm not really walking with him. I'm living my own life disobedient to his word, disobedient to the things that he's asked me to do. So I'm living a Christian life that, that will hold on to maybe even the fact that God has forgiven me, but yet I'm trapped in sin, which isn't how a Christian should live. Or you're just distant. You feel this lack of, of love and warmth of the Father. But when we read through this story, we, we see that it was never the Father's love that changed. It was the position that the Son put himself in. It was never the Father that changed, but the position that the Son put himself in. And this is one thing that we need to remember. The constancy of God's love towards us never changes. I've read through this story so many times and pondered it and thought about the things that, that are in it. And I think about this prodigal son. You know how sometimes when we, we've walked away from God, we're like, this must be someone else's responsibility to bring me back to God. This is somebody else's responsibility to come and see me, to chase me down, to bring me back to God. Yet I look at this story and I see a father who loved his son so much that he was actually standing, looking and longing for him to come back yet at the same time didn't send out anyone to find him. He didn't go himself and find his son because the heart of the son had to change first. And I've thought about that because we know that there's, there's lost sheep. But do you know what else there is also? There's people who are, are disobedient to God who have turned themselves to be obstinate and against him. And you can search for people like that all you want. You can chase them down. You can try and give them God's love. But someone whose heart is up and in pride against God cannot be brought to repentance. It is the lost sheep, the ones who are, are wandering away, that don't know what's happening, that are falling into sin, not deliberately choosing sin that we should be chasing down, that we should be getting around and saying, come back to the Father. But those who have risen up against God themselves... Their hearts are hard. They've built a wall. They don't want you there. They don't want God. They don't want anything about him in their life because they've chased down this path that they're going down away from God, thinking that they can find truth and life, but in the end they just find death and destruction. And the only way for this to change it's for a heart change to happen in a person. And it could be you sitting out there today. I don't know. But I do know in my own life, when I have done things that, that I know are not what God wants, that it's my own self that stops me coming to him, his love is always for me. And so when I come back to him, he is waiting for me to come back. But there's certain things that need to happen in your heart. If that's you today... Certain things that need to happen in your heart that need to change. God is waiting. It's up to you. Are you running home? There's some beautiful things in this passage about that and how this son came to his senses 
In fact, that's what the verse says. If we could just put that up. Imagine this. This could be you today. I don't know. Sitting out there and you're lost in, in sin. Maybe you, you've chased down a path of, um, of selfishness that is destroying relationships, that's destroying peace, that's destroying life in your soul. And you've maybe come to this point when you're realising that something's not right, that I need to get back to God. But there's this change that needs to happen in our life. If we want to get back to God, there's one thing that we need to understand. We need to come to our senses. Have you ever been in that place? I love that verse. Every time I read it, it just speaks to my soul. It's like when he finally came to his senses... You know what? There's a point in your life where you need to come to your senses. It's time to change. It's time to turn around and go the right direction. You need to come to your senses. In other words, what you're doing isn't working. You're not happy. You're miserable. You you feel a lack of love. You feel a lack of hope in your life, and yet you still continue to wallow around with the pigs. It's like everything that you're doing is turning your heart upside down. It's destroying relationships. It's destroying your life. Yet you continue to roll around in there and you're feeding the pigs. It can't happen. If you want true life, you cannot stay there. You need to turn around. I don't know if you've ever felt that in your life. Maybe, I mean, there's so many things that we do that, that we, we do even against what God wants and we're feeling as though we want to chase it down. But every time we do it, it's like our heart just aches a little bit more. We gossip about a friend. We get involved in watching shows that we shouldn't watch. We, we start stealing. We start lying. We start chasing things that are not of God. In our heart, every single time, it's like this little piece just dies and dies and dies. But there is a way back. There is a way back, but it takes something to happen in your own heart. And what was just bugging me over the last probably, well, it's been more than a few months, it's just over that all time, why do we wait to rock bottom? Why do we wait until we're sitting down with those pigs, feeding them? Why do we wait until there's no hope left? Why do we wait to that point? We can feel ourselves slipping away, yet we continue to walk down that path. And there's many reasons, probably one is pride we just want to make sure that we can do it we've set ourselves on this path and we don't care we're chasing it down but another reason is this that we often think that in a church because everyone is perfect unlike us we can't ask for help we can't actually come to the point of asking someone i need help can you get me out of here i can see things are slipping away can you help me why Because in the past, no doubt, and in the future, no doubt, still, Christians can often judge one another in a harsh and unkind way. Maybe even today you're sitting here and you confess something to someone and all you got back was a judgment and you shouldn't be doing that, you're a horrible, evil person, I don't like you anymore. Maybe you felt rejection. Maybe you felt that they didn't love you. But instead they took what you told 
told them and they went around and they gossiped and they told everyone all about it and all of a sudden your sin was exposed to the whole world. It happens. And it's a tragedy that that could happen in the church of God, isn't it? It's a tragedy. But you know what? Not everyone is like that. And there has to come a point in your life when you realize that rock bottom is not the place you want to be. Rock bottom is not the place you want to come back from. It's a horrible place. There's one good thing about it that sometimes it points to that. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, that is a point where sometimes people cry out, help me now. And yet, as a pastor, often that is where people come for help. It's like everything has collapsed around me. Everything is in ruins. Can you fix it? Can I just say to those who aren't at rock bottom, don't ever go there. If you are someone who loves Jesus Christ, you push into him like never before. You make sure that your love for him grows stronger and stronger. You make sure that your faith is developed. You make sure that you get into the word. You make sure that you're thankful. You make sure that your praise is always to him because you don't want to be there. Rock bottom will destroy your life, but at the same time, it is sometimes that point, if you've reached there, that you need to make a decision to say, no more. I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to be here on rock bottom. I'm going to look up and I'm going to see God and I'm going to show, show myself, really, the things that I've been in. And as we read through this, you'll see them. The senses that he, that he got, imagine this pondering, sitting in the pig pen. The son who said, I don't want you, God, I don't want you Father. Sitting there in that pig pen. He started to see truth. At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. These are things that you need to do if you want to get back. There's a realization that came to him. He said, This is us without God. Without him, I'm dying. And I can see even the servants are treated better than I am right now. Nobody's giving me anything. There's a humility came to his heart. If you want to make your way back to God, that is the first thing that needs to happen. A humility come to your heart. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. What's the realisation of humility here? You see, this, this guy was still the son of the father, wasn't he? But humility drove him to make this observation, that the servants are better off than I am, even though I'm a son. It may be that you've moved away from God and, and you, you're wondering in your heart, Will he take me back? You realize that what you're doing is not working and you need Jesus again.
And as you read through this story, what you see is this, that he came back and he wanted to be just a servant. And that speaks of humility. You know, when you're coming back to God, you deserve nothing. You deserve nothing and you understand that, right? Even when you first become a Christian, you don't deserve it. Because you've broken this covenant or, the, or this love of God by sinning against him. You don't deserve his grace. He gives it anyway. But when we understand who God is and when we come back to him, this is how it should be. God, if I get nothing, I'm going to serve you anyway. So often we want to put these conditions on God. I want, I want to come back, but the benefit has to be for me. What about this? The benefit is for him. That you've come to that place and you realize that you deserve nothing of him at all, yet you're going to follow him and worship him and serve him anyway. Some of you may not know this and some may, but I felt called to pastoring when I was about 20 or maybe even before that. And I got married at a young age, got divorced at a young age. And back then I was like, God, I feel like you're calling me to be a pastor. But there was very much this thing, if you've ever been divorced, you cannot ever be a pastor. Cool. You know what my decision was at that stage? This is a decision and I think it's something that I'm happy that I did <laughs> I said to God you know what if I never pastor a church I don't care I really don't care all I want to do is serve you and love you the best I can God you can use me in any capacity because it doesn't really matter I am your servant and this is the heart that we have to have when we're down there in the lowest low we don't come back because we're getting something because he's even because we think he's going to restore something or give us something, all we come back for is to say, God, I am yours. This place of humility where you're just surrendering everything to him and saying, even if you just have me as a servant, I'm going to live in the servant's quarters. You don't have to call me your son ever again. That's what this son was saying, I'm coming back. Now, the beautiful thing is what we see, the father's reaction to that is, no, I'm not going to call you a servant. You're my son. And no doubt each one of you who, who might have wandered away or are on that place or near rock bottom, sometimes we fear that God won't welcome us back. We need to have that heart of humility, that attitude of servanthood, but at the same time understand we are blessed, we understand, because Jesus showed us the heart of the Father is to welcome us back. The heart of the Father is to welcome us back. And while we know that we don't deserve anything in our heart, we know that God is so gracious and kind and loving that when we come back to him, he will restore everything that has been stolen from us. Another thing we have to remember, it's not a place, it's a person that we're coming back to. The son wasn't remembering the farm. 
The son wasn't remembering the city. The son was remembering the father. And it may be that you've lost sight of that relationship, that, that you've lost sight that he's your father, that he loves you, that he wants you in his life. But the son in this story was longing for the father, not the place, but the father. And that's where our hearts need to be focused if we're coming back. We need to have this complete sense that we are unworthy and an honest confession of what we've done wrong. And I think this is something that that often gets missed in our Christian life today because we know about grace so much that it's almost like we, we pretend it never happened. It's almost like we're like, oh, I never really sinned against you, God. But the honest confession has to be this, I have sinned against you, God. An honest confession of what has happened. Without that confession of sin, how can there be forgiveness? Now, I understand we're forgiven in Christ, but... People even do that in relationships today. They will just hurt each other and move on as though nothing has ever happened. You just need to forget. It's God's grace. Don't worry about it. But for us as Christians, we need to take seriously the pain that we cause the Father. As the Son said to, in his mind, he said, I've sinned against the Father. And when he came back, I've sinned against you, Father. I don't know if you guys remember the story of Joseph. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible. But he was in a household, he was, he was leading the servants in that household and the wife decided that he wanted her, wanted him, sorry. She was pestering him, Joseph, come and lie with me. In other words, come and have sex with me. I want you. Joseph's first reaction, how can I sin against my master being Potiphar or my God? You see, our sin isn't just against people. When we break this covenant, when we, when we sin, no matter what it is, we are sinning against God and that should be our highest concern, that we are pleasing the Father in what we do. And we need to be aware that it's, there is a time when we just get before God and we say, this is what I've done. And I'm sorry. Confession of sin is good for your soul because it releases things. In fact, the Bible says we're to confess our faults to one another, even as Christians. You know what I've found? Things that are in the darkness that never come to the light destroy you, but there's been times when people have come and talked with me about some things that, that are hidden in their life and they've been hidden for years as a Christian. I'm talking about since they were kids. Saying so, this thing has been in my life and now they've turned 50 and they've hit rock bottom. Do you know how quickly things turn around when you start to open up the truth? The Bible talks about the people of light, love the light, they run to it because they're not afraid of it. You see, the thing is that people that when we're trying to hide in darkness, we run away from the light because we're afraid that exposure will kill us, but the light reveals truth and it sets us free. It's amazing, all these things that you hold inside of you, you're afraid to confess to others because I'll look silly to them, I'll look foolish to them, I'll look like I'm a bad person to them. 
So I'm just going to hide it. I'm going to live. I'm going to just hold this darkness in my heart and I'm not going to let it go. Just don't do it. Don't wait till that rock bottom place when your wife is walking out the door or your husband is walking out the door before you realise that things need to change. Take stock of where you are right now. Before your kids hate you, before your friends desert you, before everything that you've built is destroyed, take stock. Because the only way to deal with things is to get them out of your life. The only way to deal with them is to confess to the Lord what you've done wrong and then get help if you need it. Before you hit rock bottom... The other thing you need to do is when you're coming back to the Father is understand it's going to be a complete change of the way you think. Not just justifying or excusing your behaviour. I don't know about you, but I've been prone to justify my behaviour to Joanne at times. (laughs) To other people. It's the culture of the world, isn't it? It's not my fault. They made me do it. I was reacting to them. You need to acknowledge that your sin is your sin. Not justify it, not excuse it, not blame someone else for it, but take responsibility if you want to change. And the last thing I just wanted to observe in this story is that there's a complete change in heart and the son in this way. What were the first things we see the son doing? He's saying to the father, give me. Give me my inheritance. Give it to me now. But at the end, when he reapproached his father, his words had changed. They changed from give me to make me. And this is the essence of our faith, isn't it? Not give me God, give me Jesus, give me Holy Spirit, but Father, make me. Make me more like your son. Holy Spirit, make me alive to your presence. Holy Spirit, make me a faithful witness on this earth, make me. In other words, there's a change of character that takes place because the attitude of mind has changed, the way of thinking has changed from give me to make me. Don't you love that? I love that. No longer am I looking for what I can get, but I'm looking for who I can be, and who I can be is is the impression of the Father on my soul as I come before him in humility as he makes me more like his son Jesus every day. Can you just have that road up again, Ali? As you look at this road, I just want to ask you, 
At the moment, can you see the Father? How far away do you think you've travelled down that road? The truth is this, that there is a beautiful, loving Father waiting at the end of that road, ready to welcome back the prodigal son and the prodigal daughter. And again, we, we, we can't get away from it. As much as we know that we don't deserve anything, those of us who know the Father know we're going to get it anyway. We're going to get it anyway. See, when the, when the son came back and he said, make me a servant, the father said, no deal. <laughs> I'm going to restore you to everything. Whatever, whatever you thought you spent, it doesn't matter because I am your inheritance. Everything I have still belongs to you. And perhaps that's what you've been like. You've been walking down this road away from God and it's time that you turned around and you went back because everything that he has is yours. And you might think it's too late. I've gone too far. I'm sitting here with pigs and I'm feeding them and I'm not even getting the same thing. All it takes is for you to come to your senses. But then act on that. You see, no matter how much you think of the things that you might do, you should do, you will do, until you actually do them, nothing is ever done. And so what I'm just asking you this morning, and, and you know what, the thing is that each one of us is walking down that road away from the Father at times, right? Some of us just get a street away from home. Some of us get two streets. Some of us get a block away from home. Some of us get to the next city. But there's times in your life when you're walking away from God and you've reached those points and it's almost like I'm too afraid to go back, I'm too ashamed, I'm too worried that God won't take me back. It doesn't matter where you are on the road, the road back always leads to the Father. If you turn around and go back, it always leads to the Father. And so the call today from the Spirit of God is make sure you turn around now where you are. If you're only a block away, get back now. Don't continue any further. If you're only one street away, turn back now because there's nothing at the end of that road but destruction, death, and ruin. But then at the other end is life everlasting when you're living it with your heavenly Father. Don't accept the little sin in your life as being okay, it's not. Oh, you can get away with it. God will even forgive you. But everything we do affects relationship. Everything we do affects relationship. You know it's true. If our earthly relationships reflect that of the Father, when you sin against someone else, what happens? It never enriches your relationship, does it? You don't hang out as much, you become more distant. You lose your friendship. And same with God. Although it's never him, 
never him. But sin has this potential to separate you from the love of God. Even though we can never be separated from it, there's so many strange things in the Bible, we know it's there. But what it does is make us feel distant. And the Bible says clearly, run to the throne room of grace that you may obtain mercy in the time of need. Turn around. Father, I just want to thank you this morning that you are above everything. Lord, as people who want to serve you and love you, we know at times we've let you down. And this morning I'm just wanting to pray that, Lord, if we are walking on the road away from you, Father, that there will be a change, that you would arrest our hearts this morning, Lord, and that we would come to our senses. Oh, Lord, help us not come to our senses in the pig pen. Help us to come to our senses before we get there, Lord, that we might turn around and be restored to relationship with you, Father, in Jesus' name. This morning, I just want to offer um, anyone who perhaps has never become a Christian the opportunity to just pray with me and ask God into your life. The thing is that everyone needs him. There's no way to deal with the sin in your life other than Jesus Christ because he took the, took the um, punishment for your sin on the cross. I'm just going to pray this morning and ask you to pray with me if that's you. Or maybe you've been walking down that road away from him. You can pray this prayer as well and just recommit your life to him. We have the front open for prayer. Whoever wants prayer, God's an amazing God. He, he wants to meet every need and he wants to restore you. That's you this morning, if you like, oh, no, I need Jesus. I just want you to pray with me now. Father God, I'm so sorry that I sinned against you. I'm sorry that I haven't loved you as I should. I'm asking you this morning to forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. I'm, I'm aware that you died on that cross for me and you took my sin. And this morning, I just feel the weight of it, but I want to get rid of it. Please take it from me in Jesus' name. From this day on, I just want to live for you. Amen. Okay, guys, let's um, sing, stand with the worship team. Perhaps this morning that this message has spoken to you more than normal. Now, how do you know that to be the case? In your heart, you feel this sort of knot, sort of heart, stomach, we, we talk about it. But you know that there's something you need to get right. Um, it may not be for that, it may be you just want prayer, but this morning I just really want to open that up this morning at the front where you feel like, you know what, I've actually, I'm actually walking down that road. I can feel things falling apart as I walk away from Christ because I don't do the things that he asked me to do. So I ask you to be brave, just come up the front and just get some prayer with that as well. Just pray for the Holy Spirit to begin to change things in your life. You can't live without him. Shannon said it this morning. I don't know how people without Christ can live. The truth is you can't really live without him. This morning I just want to open up the front for that as well. If you want prayer for that, um, please come up. Maybe you've made a decision this morning. You want to be a Christian. You prayed the prayer with me. Come up. We'll pray with you. We'll talk about it and see what the next steps are. But you've got an amazing life ahead if you walk on the road that he has for you.